What's up everybody and welcome to B2B Made Simple. If you're passionate about marketing, you're in the right place. Whether you're doing marketing for a brand new startup or a $100 million enterprise, you'll learn strategies that'll help you build a solid team, impact your pipeline, and look like an absolute rock star to upper management. Why? Because these guys are the pros. They're not pretending to know the industry, they're in the trenches on a daily basis. My name is Sam Moss. I'm the co-founder of One Click Agency. We build websites for B2B companies, and I'm also the co-host of this podcast. If your goal is to become the marketer everyone else looks up to, keep listening. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to B2B Made Simple. My special guest today is Logan Mallory, um, the VP of Marketing at Motivocity. Uh, Logan, good to have you here, man. Hey, Sam, appreciate it. It's uh, good, to, good to spend a little time with you. Yeah. So before we jump in uh, to the agenda, we're going to be talking about ABM and not necessarily using it as the new shiny object, um, but maybe some caution toward it uh, and really see if it's a fit for some companies. Before we do that, um, why don't you share for a minute or two your background in marketing? What got you to where you are today at Motivocity? Yeah, absolutely. So um, growing up, it's weird to tell my career story with starting off with growing up. But when I was growing up, everybody always said, Logan, you'll be awesome at sales. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I kind of believed that, like I internalized that. I think what people really meant was, hey, Logan, you're kind of nice and you can sort of talk to people. And, uh, and, and so it was a false conclusion. Like it just, it just wasn't accurate. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I finished college. I went into some sales roles and I learned a lot of good things. And actually, I think I'm a better marketer because of that time. Uh, but it became clear to me that, that the stress of sales just wasn't for me, right? Like I'm, I'm not a hard closer and that limited some of my, my abilities. Um, I was working for a small company in Seattle and, uh, and, and the owner of that company, though I was kind of doing marketing and, and sales, he said, Logan, I need you to go find a new email service provider, a new ESP for us, which wasn't really my job. I had never done anything around it, but it was my first time getting into digital marketing. And mm-hmm. I realized it was exactly where I was supposed to be. So uh, <laughs> made, made a career pivot, ended up running nice. um, a website for kind of a niche publishing company that was about $10 million online, um, shifted from B to C over into uh, the tech world and, and haven't looked back since. So I've spent some time with uh, great companies, Workfront, uh, which was just acquired by Adobe for $1.5 billion dollars. Not so bad. Um, I was with uh, Log Me In out of Boston. And then the role at Motivocity came up uh, about six months ago. And frankly, it uh, I, I had been a customer before. So I knew all about Motivocity. I had a few friends in the building and I jumped at the opportunity. It's the first time that my mm-hmm. personal brand and the company brand intersected perfectly, right? Like mm-hmm. my previous employers, great companies, great products. Um, but like project management software and business phone systems, like I wasn't jazzed about those in the mornings. Uh, Motivosity and, and peer-to-peer recognition and making people feel appreciate, appreciated has been a great place for me. So uh, that's that's a little bit of my path. That's, that's super cool. Um, before we jump into the agenda, I am actually curious, how has your background in sales or knowing about sales um, impacted your role in marketing? Because there, there really is the gap. I know people touch on that a lot. Um, has it helped you? 
Oh my gosh. So much. Um, first of all, it makes me empathetic, right? Like mm -hmm. I know what, I know what our reps are going through. I know what they're experiencing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I, I, you know, my job at jive, I was bringing in, which was uh, later acquired by log me in. I was, I was bringing in leads from vendors that I had used when I was a sales rep in Texas. And so mm -hmm. I knew what those leads were like and how to work them and how to help coach those sales reps through the, the, uh, you know, the best path, the best course of action. Um, it makes me a way better partner, right? I think there's often this gap, this distance between sales and marketing, and I refuse to let that be part of my story. Um, and I and I learned that because I was lucky to work with great sales leaders as well, right? So those great sales leaders, plus my background, just kind of built this really nice ecosystem where we could work together and uh, spent a couple of years in that environment where now I know how to kind of replicate it. Maybe I can give you a story, Sam, from just yesterday. Um, Last day of the month, we've got a, uh, a, a, new, a new team member on our team. She joined in January and she's had a number of deals. We've got a, a relatively long sales cycle, but she's, she's had a couple of deals in her first quarter. And yesterday she posted, uh, she closed a deal for $300, which is significantly, I mean, that's probably like one of our smallest deals ever. It's significantly less than our, our average deal size. And that pops up in Slack, right? All our deals auto-populate in Slack. And mm -hmm. she put in an emoji that was like this, where it was kind of like <laughs> eh, $300. Yeah. And I just said to heck with that. And I, and I messaged the whole company and I said, $300 is $350 next year. And it's five more people that love motivosity. Like I'd, yeah. I'd rather see $300 wins all, you know, every once in a while than nothing. And I messaged my team and I said, Hey, everybody go celebrate Catella. Like nobody cheers for that sales team more than this marketing team. And mm -hmm. I, I hope that, I hope that makes me a better marketer uh, than if I didn't take that approach. Yeah, that's, that's a super cool story. Um, when it comes to like the leads or MQLs, I don't know exactly how you guys are set up. Sure. Has it given you empathy on that end where you're not just sending garbage and just kind of hoping the SDRs, <clears throat> you know, get things done? Yeah, it's um, it, it, yes and yes and no, right? I find that sometimes you'll have a, a marketing leader who wants to hit a number and sometimes mm -hmm. you'll have a sales leader who always wants more and better. And yeah. I think for me, um, it becomes an ecosystem. And so when I'm talking to reps, I say, listen, I cannot get you enough A plus leads. I can't get you enough top tier leads to get you to your quota. But mm -hmm. I know that I can get you, and I'm making the numbers up, I know that I can get you 50 leads a month that are the very best quality. But that means we're going to have to go to the next, we're going to have to go to the B plus tiers, right? Mm. And I'm going to get you as many B plus leads as I can. And we might have to get to those C or maybe even D plus leads, mm -hmm. but I will have maxed out all the high quality leads. And so when I yeah. bring you lower quality mm -hmm. leads, you know, it is because um, because I, I, um, have, have maxed out everything I can. The other thing, um, along that, you know, I, it's really funny. I have, I have sales reps who will come up to me and they'll say, Logan, why don't we get more, um, Google ads, AdWords leads or more PPC leads. And I kind of have to chuckle, right? Because they think those are the best leads. And they are mm -hmm. the best leads, but they don't necessarily realize the qualifications they've gone through. And so when I tell them, you know, we, we pay $7 per click, which means we pay $700 to get a hundred people to the landing page and three or four of those are going to fill out the form, right? So when I help <laughs> them see that like the cost per lead of a PPC is four or five or whatever X, an average lead, suddenly they can do the math and they can say, 
oh yeah, no wonder we're not just dumping. Like they're good leads, but they're expensive. And, yeah. uh, and I think that transparency goes a really long way. Once, once mm-hmm. I have that conversation with reps, they don't often come up and say, why can't we get more of these? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, cool. So moving on to, I guess what we'll call the main event here. Uh, yeah. I, I like, I love rabbit trails. So that was perfect. I, I was really curious <laughs> about that. Um, because it's, it's important and it's, it's interesting, the background that you have in sales. Um, but I do want to touch on, on ABM. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, there's, there's companies that are, are using it and I've seen them do really well. And then there are companies that are not using it and maybe they don't understand it enough, or maybe it's just not a fit and they're trying to cram uh, a, a square shape into a, a circle. Um, and it's just not a fit for their company. So to start off, what are some things that you found about ABM um, that work and don't work that we should be watching out for overall? Yeah, I think, I think a couple things. The, the very first thing I think of is how like terminology matters in this case, right? Uh, and, and let me give you this example. I'm a very, I round my numbers, right? I, I always round to the nearest five or the lowest five or whatever. My wife is a CPA and so she's very specific. And so when I go to the store and she's like, how much was that? And I'm like, I don't know, 10 bucks. And she's like, it was 1372, <laughs> right? Like, like we're yeah. never on the same page and so terminology really matters. So within an organization, when you say we're going to go, we're going to have an account-based marketing plan, what does that really mean? Like, what are the details of that? Not just the high-level concept, right? And, and I think nailing those down at least sets you off on the right foot. <clears throat> I think um, another, another thing that um, is a problem with ABM is that it does require a lot of group buy-in, right? You have, you have marketing ops, you have sales ops, you have marketing, you have sales, you have executive leadership, and all mm-hmm. of those groups have to be aligned on what it means and, and how it's going to happen. Um, I think, I think, you know, as a marketer, one of the things that I've seen happen is, you know, you go to one of two extremes and the first extreme is they say, let's do ABM for everyone. Right. And that's typically how sales acts about it. Like, let's send this and this and this to everyone. And, and it's not very strategic or um, <clears throat> focused, right? It's mm-hmm. not very account-based. Um, and, then, and then the other problem that you have is uh, people, people need revenue this month, right? You need, you need revenue and dollars this month, this quarter, mm-hmm. and ABM does not do that. And so you yeah. have to align on your timing as well. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about timing. Would you agree that it it can be a a good play for companies alongside maybe some demand gen that gets the gears turning now and then maybe use the ABM for long-term growth? Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think you have to have, you have to have to have that buy-in, right? And Mm -hmm. so maybe another way we could talk about that is you've got hunting and you've got uh, farming, right? And Mm -hmm. ABM is your farming play and you harvest once a season right? You don't, you don't harvest every month and every quarter. And so um, I think that's, that's another thing. When I hear, when I hear companies with very transactional or small average deal sizes say, we should do some ABM. I think, no, we, we shouldn't, right? We, we really shouldn't. So um, because the cost of focusing on someone um, and, and spending enough time and enough emotional and energy on that uh, prospect is, is high. Um, one thing that I, that I think is 
is a good way to do ABM. And, and I worked with the, the best I've ever seen it done was uh, at a tech company. We, we was Workfront. We sold project management software. And there were um, two women that I worked with that were just fantastic at it. And what they did really well was they created menus, basically. So it was, here's our, here's our top 100 accounts we're going to target. And here's what they get. Here's our next uh, 500 and here's what we do for them. And it was clearly a little less. And then here's our thousand, right? And, and I actually really loved that. My problem was 1600 accounts is a lot to focus on for a marketing team. And, and so um, that, that, was, that was one of the coolest approaches I've seen to it was, was how they layered it. Mm-hmm. Um, two things to unpack from that. The first one is um, ACV. So does that play a role? And then the second, I'll, I'll come back to it. But um, when it comes to the size of the deal, where is the threshold for you to say it's worth using this as a strategy? Oh, Sam, you're asking me smart questions. Um, I don't, I don't know that I have an answer to that. I don't know that I have an answer to that. I would, um, I'd probably say, I mean, you've, you've clearly got to look at what you're putting in, right? Mm-hmm. How, how intense is your campaign? How personalized are you going? Are you, do you know, do you know what basketball team they like and you're taking them to the, to the box or um, so I, I think that that one varies. Um, and part of me wonders, I'm thinking out loud here, like part of me wonders if it's more about sales cycle, right? Like if you have a 120 True. day sales cycle or a 150 day sales cycle, can ABM shorten that? Can you cut off 30 days of, of, of sales process by having an ABM approach? So um, again, I, I don't know that I, I don't know that I would say here's the dollar amount, mm-hmm. but I would say if you're transactional, if you're SMB, if you have a, a um, <clears throat> a commodity, then maybe that's not the play for you. But if you're larger, longer, and, uh, and, and targeted, then it's the right play or can yeah, be. I, I came across a post. Uh, it was, I think it was in the group, Facebook group, SAS hacks. And they were like, <laughs> it has such a vague question. What is the best way to get uh, leads for your first 100 customers or something like that? And I just commented because it's so like, how are we supposed to give input? I mean, right. I'm like, well, are we selling a $25 SaaS tool or a $25 a month? Are we talking 5k a month? Right. That would dictate <laughs> what information we give to you because maybe if you, it's a, a $5,000 a month uh, tool, maybe a, ABM will work for you. But if, if I, if we don't even know the price of the tool, why would I even right. um, suggest that at all? I um, think the only safe answer in that trick question is email right? Like, you know, email is going to be involved and that's probably the only safe answer because <laughs> you, you assume there's somebody they can send out an email to, but yeah, yeah. that's uh, that, that sounds, that's a, that's an interesting post to make. Yeah. It, I was kind of confused why they would want to post that, but I guess not, <laughs> not much experience on their end, but yeah. I clarified, I just said, Hey, give us some context here. Um, so the second question I wanted to unpack from earlier was um, the ideal accounts. So I think a trap that companies fall into is with ABM, they go after their dream accounts. Yeah. So like the HubSpots, the Salesforce, um, Adobe, these examples of these massive companies, and then they wonder why they can't crack the exterior and get in. Is that, do you see that as well? Um, yeah, it's so easy to go pull up, a, you know, the Inc 500 list and say, <laughs> all right, here's who we're going after. Yeah. You uh-huh. and every other 
um, company in the, in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I think can be cool about ABM is um, if you do geographies, right? And even if you don't have a sales, a sales system or, or layout organization that is uh, built by geography, if you focus on a geo and you can find enough of the right types of prospects in a certain area, that allows you to do more than if you were just kind of evenly spread across the country or the world, right? Mm-hmm. Because then you can go and you can have one plane ticket uh, help you with multiple accounts. You can, um, you know, do do interesting events that might pull people in. BDI is a company that um, uh, we've we've done some work with in the past, and they, you know, they basically are an ABM effort where they bring in people for uh, a, a fancy dinner and some education, and and people come. That's a lot harder to do if your target accounts are evenly dispersed, right? Mm-hmm. But if you've said, hey, we're gonna pick. X number in Chicago and X number in New York and X number in, in California, then at least you've got three areas that you can focus on. And, and suddenly you've got a little bit more, um, I don't know, wood behind your arrow or power behind your punch or whatever, you know, metaphor you want to use these days. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had to give one piece of advice to a company that might be looking into this, whether yeah. it's for um, a long-term brand play, maybe they're going to couple it with demand gen. What would be one thing that you would say before you jump into this, like the shiny new object syndrome, uh, think about this? I think that no action should be taken until the list of target accounts is created and agreed upon, right? Mm-hmm. You don't you don't go start building campaigns because it's difficult for sales to create that list. It takes them time. It's time that they're not on the phone. It's time that they're not in front of, in front of their customers. And so um, I think that is the sign of good faith that will get them across the line and, and allow mm-hmm. you to like, it's the starting gun, right? The other half to that is that um, sales, if marketing creates that targeted list account for sales, they don't have enough buy-in to pursue mm-hmm. it. And so- yeah. Don't create the list for them because they will eventually come back and they'll say, why did we do this? Who cares about this company? We're never going to get them because they're manufacturing or whatever it might be. So the starting gun is when sales themselves has created the list of target accounts and there's mutual agreement on, on who and why those accounts were put on the list. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of sales really owning it um, before. So you're saying they, they create the list um, and then, pass it on to marketing and then it's the collaboration from there. I think, I think that like, um, own, own is an intense word, but Mm -hmm. if, because marketing has to agree on it, marketing has to have a clear path of how to make it happen. Marketing has to be able to say, yeah, we can find these, these people within those target accounts. And, you know, marketing has to be able to like check the boxes as well. But if marketing creates the list and puts it in front of sales, you're starting off on the wrong foot. And so (laughs) your, your collaboration has to start when you say, here's our top, here's our top 50, here's our top 100, here's our top 500. And, Mm -hmm. and once those are defined um, and you know, the 500, you expect less, you expect less from sales on that one, but certainly your first one or two tiers you need them to voice uh, to voice the target accounts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super interesting. Um, so something new we're doing here on the podcast, trying to switch it up a little bit, uh, is where we reverse roles to to close ourselves out here. And we'll, so we'll see how this goes here. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> but do you have any questions? My whole life. Hey, look at this. <clears throat> do you have any questions that you want to ask me before we go? 
Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things I, I love that you're doing, and, and this is, is what, uh, what I, one of my like pastimes when I'm not in work, but is personal brand and, and building that up. Um, I'm, I'm, I did a masterclass here at the office to help people think about LinkedIn. Um, I'm dying to know if you had to say, here's the top three things that you need to start doing to build a personal brand specific to LinkedIn. What would mm-hmm. that look like for you? Um, yeah. So I've, I've narrowed it down to four. So we'll already break the rule and give you, you the four <laughs> top right here. Great. I'm a loose, so, I'm a loose sub host. So that's good. I'll <laughs> so the first thing is you want to identify who you're going to be talking to. Um, the further you can niche it down, the better, uh, because you want to have someone in your mind, an audience, uh, a buyer persona, even if they're not necessarily your buyer, um, mm-hmm. I guess we can call it audience persona of, of who you want to be talking to and creating content for. Um, so when I started, uh, it was originally SMB, small business owners, and I was trying to put out some, some business content and I shifted because our business shifted to more of the marketing realm. Um, so now Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying to put out good marketing content for marketers at B2B companies. So, um, that's why you and I are, are sitting here on this podcast. We're collaborating. Eventually this will turn into something that can go out to them. So that's step number one is identify who it is you're going to be talking to. Um, the second thing is, is focus on one thing, be known for one thing, mm, especially from the beginning. Um, the reason I say this is because you want to be remembered. I mean, this is a brand play. Um, so if you focus on marketing, I mean, that's very broad, but there are many subcategories below that. So we could talk about ABM. Um, we can talk about demand gen. Uh, we can talk about copywriting. Those are all uh, marketing under the umbrella of marketing. So when I say one thing, it doesn't necessarily need to be um, right headlines. That's right. all you talk about. Um, you can get a little bit more broad. And here's the caveat. You, are, you can share some things that are not do uh, pertaining to marketing <laughs> sure because people always try to say well you can always share other things i like the 80 20 rule 80 percent of what you want to be known for 20 percent of something else that adds value or maybe some personality building um, the third thing is make sure you're you're responding to comments on your post yeah. and it's a great place to find additional uh, content moving forward for example um, i got a comment on my post today because i read all the comments um, and i'm like oh, okay, this is someone actually having a genuine question that they're interested in. I answered the question in a comment and I wrote it down because that will be a good post um, for the future. Um, So that's rule number three. Um, Number four is content in, content out. Um, The more you're consuming, the more you'll be inspired to do uh, and create your own content. Mm. Not necessarily saying you need to copy what others are doing, but I read stuff on LinkedIn. I read books. I listen to podcasts and their thoughts inspire my own. And I can either go expound on it or take a different route. Um, but the more you consume, the easier it's going to be for you to create. So that's my, my roadmap to getting started on LinkedIn. I love that. Those are, those are solid. One thing adding on to, you, you talked about, you know, your theme or your, your umbrella topic. Um, one, one thing that people always ask me, and, and you answered this with your last point too, is, Hey, how do you post every day? Like, how do you come up with something every single day? And, um, and I, I am always looking in three buckets, right? I'm always thinking about my personal brand, which is nice and authentic and mm-hmm. a little informal, right? Um, I think about like my 
career track, which is marketing and a little bit of HR and leadership. And then I think about my company, right? Motivosity, which is appreciation and recognition. So what's cool is I find that if I like think about my personal brand and my personal life, my marketing life, and then my like day-to-day job, I have something I can pull from every day, right? Between That's one really of the good. three of those, there's something I can talk about. And it, mm-hmm. it kind of, when you just think, all right, marketing is what I have 80, 20 for me, I'm like, I get stuck in that. And so just being able to kind of like pivot helps me, but I, I think to each, to each their own and like LinkedIn's um, LinkedIn and your, your brand there, you can, you can be really creative and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and more than there's more than one way to skin a cat for sure. Yeah. Uh, you just have to simply get started. Do um, it. yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't matter if people don't like it or not. You can scroll back, uh, a year from <laughs> a year from today and, and look at my LinkedIn feed and it had seven likes and two comments yeah, exactly. um, from people that probably aren't even in my, uh, audience <laughs> today or, or weren't even ideal buyers or anything like that. Sure. But, um, yeah, you have to get started somewhere. So yeah, I'm, I've never explained it like that. So I'm glad I got a chance to kind of to spit it out uh, of what I, I actually do. So <laughs> I, I dig it. Those are, those are four solid bullet points. Well, well awesome. done. Well done. Um, so we've, we've touched on motivosity throughout the interview a bit. Uh, before we go, share exactly what you guys do. What do you have going on over there? Motivosity is the coolest. Um, it's so easy for me to get excited about this. So Motivosity is all about appreciation at work. If you go mm-hmm. and you study uh, positive psychology and you do research with, you know, uh, Bain or Boston Consulting Group or Harvard or um, Gallup, it basically comes down, you know, people are happy at work when they, when they feel um, like they're a part of a community, when they feel recognized for their day-to-day efforts, and when they have a meaningful relationship with their manager. And Motivosity actually covers all three of those in our, in our platform, Um, you know, peer-to-peer recognition, being able to thank people and give them a small little monetary bonus, unlike the quarterly MVP award, which one person wins and then 49 people feel left out. Motivosity makes people appreciate people all day, every day, and it builds an awesome culture. And then Sam, if you'll let me, if, if you don't mind, um, we actually just launched a product called lead Mm -hmm. and lead is all about the relationship between uh, manager and, and their team member. And we know that that's built through communication and time. And so we just launched a a one-on-one it's, it's, it does more than that, but it's a one-on-one product that, that facilitates one-on-one meetings. And it's awesome for sales leaders. I'm using it with my team on the marketing team. Anyone who meets with your, with your uh, individual team members consistently. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing is it's free. We, we give that away for up to 10 users. Uh, You can find it on motivosity.com and um, it's a really cool tool. So um, no credit card, no contract, no anything, just, uh, just free. So, uh, hope that's, hope that's useful for your audience. Yeah. Awesome, man. I appreciate you sharing. Um, this has been really good. I know this is going to be, uh, our audience is going to enjoy this. So I appreciate you being here talking about ABM, the gap between sales and marketing and, uh, even dipping our toe in some LinkedIn stuff, which is always fun. So yeah, Logan. It. Yeah. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate you being here. We'll have to do it again. Thanks, Sam. Great to spend some time with you. Cheers. <laughs>